Hey everyone, this is Angie Wachowski and you are listening to Bet On You Radio. This is the place where I like to think we feature ordinary, extraordinary individuals who are doing really cool things. And when you hear their stories, I really hope you get inspired to do the cool things too that are on your mind. I'm really excited about our next guest. I'm here with NMC President Nick Nisley. When you hear the word president, you may think, oh, wow, that might be somebody who had really noble beginnings, you know, maybe legacy in education, but that's not the story of Nick. And I get to talk with him today about the decisions he made, the risk he took to find himself in higher education. So, hey, Nick, how's it going? Great, Angie. Thanks. Good to be here today. Oh, I'm so excited. We met a few months ago. You've been here in northern Michigan for about a couple of years now. You started your new job, didn't you, right at the beginning of the pandemic? 73 days before the pandemic, or 73 days before I had to close down the college, so yes. Oh my gosh, that must be a memory you're happy is in your past. <laughs> Friday the 13th, I remember, yeah. <laughs> so I talk about, um, in Bet On You Radio, about people who have taken risk in your life. So I'd like to travel back to your childhood. Do you mind talking about where you grew up and just what was going on in your youth? And of course, we'll get to how you found yourself in this role of president of the college, but love to start there. Yeah. So as you stated earlier, I may not have that sort of uh, what most people think of as, or they imagine a college president coming from, that uh, I had a bit of a messy childhood, to, to put it frankly. I, uh, my mother passed away when I was five years old. My father was an alcoholic. He was in and out of jail. Uh, he remarried. Mental illness was part of our household. Uh, there was just a lot of mess, and it led me into a lot of mess. Uh, I lived in over 15 homes by the time I got to ninth grade, and I remember uh, in ninth grade standing before a judge with a social worker and a lawyer by my side, and things had about bottomed out uh, for me. I had my own drug and alcohol issues, things were crazy at home, and uh, I was afforded a life-changing opportunity, and uh, that opportunity led me to the Milton Hershey School. So uh, I'd love to talk about that for a quick second, because, again, we think about people enacting risks in their life. You were obviously dabbling in some risky behavior and a decision was really placed upon you, wasn't it, that you're either going to go here or you get to go to the school. Exactly. And uh, I know in, in Bet on You, there's that language you talk about guides and uh, if I'm really honest with myself, I had some guides, you know, teachers especially, coaches, teachers uh, who kind of helped me out through that time and allowed me to launch uh, into a new life at the Milton Hershey School. That's amazing. And then I think with the Hershey School, do you mind talking a little bit about that? Because there was some risk-taking involved there about how this school even came to be. Yeah, a lot of people don't know the Milton Hershey School, but they know the Hershey name, right? Mm -hmm. You think chocolate. Yeah, but, of course. But uh, what they don't realize is Mr. and Mrs. Hershey created an endowment and essentially gave away the chocolate business. So every time you eat a Hershey bar or a Kiss, uh, you can feel good that those calories are going to something other than just pure calories. <laughs> uh, but they willed their entire life fortune to create this school. They couldn't have children of their own. And there were just two criteria for admission, one that you were an orphan and two you were from poverty. They wanted to make a, a difference in the lives of others. And I was thankful to be a, a beneficiary of that. What was that like going to the school? Can you recall just the feelings, the emotions? 
the tremendous change, because it was such a tremendous change for you from a stability perspective, I imagine, being among the things. Yeah, you know, a bit of a tension, you know, because on one hand, it was safety, you know, it was uh, out of that messiness and chaoticness that uh, was my life and those things I, I wanted. But at the same rate, you know, I was a teenager and I didn't want that control put upon me. I didn't want to be away from my father, even though I knew that it was the best thing for me. So I think I had uh, conflicted feelings at the time. And even by the time I graduated, I think I was still conflicted. But like many Milton Hershey School grads, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later, uh, you really come to realize what a gift it was, which, which I do now as well. What happened then? So I imagine there were some more guides to help direct you to that next stage of your life, right? Yeah. You know, I'll tell you just a quick story, Angie. Yeah, please do. My high school football coach at Milton Hershey School, Ken Snyder, was one of those guides, and I had no idea how I was going to uh, get to college. Was I going to get to college? I would have been first generation. I just didn't know how that worked. And I went to Coach Snyder, and I remember him saying, Nick, uh, come back on Wednesday. You know, maybe I was there on a Wednesday, and he said, come back in a couple days, and I'll help you out. And when I went back, he had these flimsy uh, Capitol Trailways bus tickets. And he said, here's a bus ticket for you from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to Montpelier, Vermont. And he said, my football coach at Gettysburg College, which is where he went to college, is now the athletic director at Norwich University, the Military College of Vermont. And he said, I called up Coach Minter. I told him about you. And, uh, and he reached over and he had three of those old steel reel film canisters. Mm -hmm. And he said, these are your three best games from last year. He said, give those to Coach Minter and he'll see what he can do. And Angie, I know this timing isn't right, but I remember getting home and a big, beautiful embossed envelope was there. And, you know, it allowed me to go to college. They put together some scholarships and uh, and it was only thanks to Coach Snyder that I could have never figured that out on my own. So, yeah, thank thank goodness for guides, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And I imagine that that lens, a pretty powerful, empathetic lens for you looking at students at NMC right now. You understand firsthand first-generation students coming in uncertain and realizing that they need more than in education or a ticket into admissions to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's always been about pay it forward, but it's because of what people like Coach Snyder gave to me. And I think, yeah, it makes me empathetic because I was one of those poor kids. I was one of those kids from a bad family situation. I was a kid who couldn't figure it out on my own. So, uh, yeah, I want to be able to give back to our students. And that's the best part of my job, being able to help out kids who were like me in many ways. So how was the military academy at Norwich? That's a pretty, you know, you went from a pretty stable, secure environment to probably ratcheted up a few notches to something very strict and rigid. How was that for you? You know, you'd think so, but at Milton Hershey, it was pretty rigid was as well. So it wasn't <laughs> it that big of a, well. <laughs> it prepared me well. Uh, but I think that's something that I've always valued in my life structure and, mm -hmm. you know, the regimented sort of lifestyle. And even to this day, I still love uniforms. Uh, I put on a pair of khakis every morning. I don't vary from that. You know, it's still part of my uniform. So there's a lot of things that I've carried over from that time. Mm -hmm. And so did you decide to stay at Norwich? You attended for a bit, didn't you? Yeah, I was there for two years. And then I transferred uh, onto Ohio State where I did my undergraduate degree in geology. I went to work for an Australian-based mining company for about seven years, 
doing geology kind of stuff, reclamation, mineral uh, rights, planning, uh, all those sorts of things. And then at some point I thought, you know, I'm not sure I want to continue to do geology. I went back and got a graduate degree in management. And uh, I transitioned kind of out of the mining arena into healthcare, went back, got a doctorate, and, and moved into education. So, you know, was I, there like a person, was there a spark or was it, you got back to a student? Like, yeah. What would, what would even make you think of about going to get an advanced degree? You know, I was doing adjunct, uh, teaching and it was just that excitement of being able to touch students' lives. And I think while I was doing the adjunct, I thought, you know what, maybe this teaching things for me, which led me back for my doctorate and ultimately into a professor role. Like I kind of left the corporate world and, and moved into academia and uh, it was that excitement of being in a classroom, of knowing you were touching lives and opening them to new ways of thinking and seeing the world. Now, I imagine that we have people listening right now who want to go back to school. So I imagine there was some debt occurred as part of being a student, or was it something that your company sponsored for you? Yeah, so I was fortunate. Uh, I worked for a company that had um, at least partial tuition reimbursement, but I always worked full time, even through my undergraduate That's degree. Great. So uh, I was, you know, a hardworking guy who knew that if I wanted to pursue something, I needed to have my skin in the game or I needed to work a little bit for it. And that's uh, true with many of our students at NMC. Uh, so many of them are working part-time or full-time and trying to pursue uh, their goals. Oh, yeah, 100%. And so I remember learning from you, too, that you had an interesting experience up in Canada, too, as part of a faculty member. Can you describe that? Because we hear Banff, and I know many of us have, you know, images, impressions, but talk about your experience up there. Yeah, I'll start by saying, Elise, uh, my wife and I will look back today and we say, well, our five years there, we were on vacation and we didn't even know it mm -hmm. uh, because it was such a beautiful place. But yeah, I was working hard. I was at a place called the Banff Center, which uh, kind of like the Aspen Institute, it was about creativity, ideas, bringing the arts to help imagination and leadership development, a really interesting place and a beautiful place to be. Uh, and I was blessed to spend five years there. And I often thought my role was kind of a stirrer, uh, you know, bringing interesting ideas from artists with executives, with mountain climbers, with the people who we served. So it was an experience of a lifetime for me. Is it something that anyone can go attend? Like who gets to go to this type of learning institute? Yeah, you know, here in the U.S., we've got things like the Center for Creative Leadership, you know, leadership development institutes. Uh, the Banff Center was similar. Yeah, anyone could attend. You know, you'd sign up for these programs and you could spend a week or more there learning and, you know, expanding your mind. Uh, artists maybe would spend, you know, a couple weeks or a month, you know, doing their things. Uh, but it was a, a really neat place in that regard. What did you take from that experience? Oh, my gosh. Probably the just one thing. No, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the neatest thing was the idea of story. Um, there was a large Aboriginal or Native peoples uh, programming that occurred there. So I was exposed a lot to Aboriginal storytelling. And particularly that idea as it relates to leaders that, you know, we own our story. We're the authors of them. Uh, we can't give up that power of the pen to someone else to dictate our stories for us. And I think I found that uh, to be a powerful learning in, in leadership, that uh, as leaders, we can write the story, not only of ourselves, but of the organizations that we're serving. 
I'm sure that you talk about that a lot, not just to the students, but the faculty members and the staff teams that you've been a part of. Just a reminder that you get to, you know, you're the one with the pen. You get to really shift and shape your experience based on how you choose to. Absolutely. I'll often use that word rescription. Uh, mm -hmm. Kind of sounds like prescription, you know, like a drug-based remedy to an ailment. And sometimes in our personal lives or even in our organizational lives, we get stuck. We need a way out. And stories can offer that to us because we get stuck in a certain story that we come to believe is true. Uh, but often that story isn't serving us anymore. We need to reinvent ourselves or find a new story. So, yeah. I like that. And I like the idea, too, about your narrator and your life in the sense that if you think about the role the narrator plays, they're trying to shape and color the scene that you're seeing. But you can look at through multiple narrator lens. So, you know, is it Morgan Freeman who's narrating your life? Is it Julia Roberts? Like, how do you want to tell your story? And if you don't like it, you can fire your narrator. Absolutely. I think that's what so many of our students at NMC do. You know, they're not coming there just for a degree. They're coming there to find their story, the future that they're trying to live into. So, yeah, they're going to get some technical competencies, you know, in terms of a degree, uh, but I think more importantly is they're figuring out who they are and, and where they're going and how they're going to get there. As an educator, how do you navigate career opportunities? So you had this wonderful experience up in Banff in Canada. How do you choose your next role? Is it because you're trying to get new experiences? Is it trying to achieve a different role? I'd love to hear more about just that career navigation. Yeah, probably two things. You know, one, back to guides. You know, often it's, you know, those guides who approach you and say, hey, you know, there's this opportunity that I heard about, you know, I think you'd be good fit for it. So, you know, sometimes it's listening to those guides who, you know, point you in new directions. And at other times, maybe earlier in my life, it was about progressing, you know, trying to, to move up, so to say. Mm -hmm. But now uh, I feel like I, I'm at a place that I want to stay. <laughs> yeah, we want you to stay. <laughs> <laughs> not just because it's NMC, but, you know, it's such a beautiful region. You know, this is, this is home now, and this is where I want to be. That, that's great. So what about the opportunity, the place, of course, but what about the opportunity for you? Yeah, you know, we've got a, a mission statement at NMC, and we say that our mission is to deliver lifelong learning opportunities. So it doesn't matter if you're five years old at College for Kids or 95 years old at our extended education programming, or maybe a 25-year-old in our associate's degree. But we say our mission is about delivering lifelong learning opportunities to transform lives and enrich our community. And I get to wake up every morning and go to work knowing that I'm transforming lives and enriching the community. So that's what inspires me uh, every day to wake up and go out and do that good work. Yeah, if you're not motivated by that, I don't know what's going to motivate you. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we're going to come right back. And from there, we're going to pick up talking a little bit more about some of the initiatives that you've got going on at NMC, and then you get to answer my five favorite questions. Okay. Hey everyone, this is Angie Wachowski. I'm one of the co-authors of Bet On You. This is the companion to the radio program. So if you're enjoying what you're listening to, check out this book. Inside there's some really great guidance and a code that takes you to an online platform that helps you dream better and imagine ways that you can bet on yourself. Check it out. So right before the break, Nick, we're talking about your role as the president of NMC and the powerful mission that you have. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what makes Community College so special, because it does have a really special place within higher ed. 
Can you talk about that? Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't realize this, but community colleges aren't just an education institution. They're a movement. And, you know, when you go back in history and look at what did that movement, you know, where did it come from? It came from a desire to make sure that college and education was accessible. So community colleges have an open door policy. And it doesn't matter your race, your gender, even your GPA, you know, that uh, a lot of schools are selective. Community colleges open their door to anyone. And that's the, the most wonderful aspect, I think, is the accessibility, but also paired with that is the affordability. Often we're four, five, six times uh, less expensive than a four-year institution. So that's one of the things that really, uh, I think, makes a community college special. I think along those lines, I'm hearing it more and more among my son, who's a senior, just as his friends who are still sort of discerning in life what their next step is. And it makes a great space for getting your generals, I hate to say, out of the way, because yeah. it sounds like it's a task or a chore when it's really an enriching experience, but it seems to be more mainstream than ever before. Absolutely. Usually you're coming to a community college to do one of two things. Either you're pursuing an occupational related degree where, for example, you're going to learn carpentry and you can go out and work after those two years as a carpenter or as a chef. Uh, or you might be there for those first two years of a four-year degree and you're going to transfer then uh, somewhere else. So it provides uh, both those pathways to students. I know a lot of our listeners, too, are probably contemplating going back to school, maybe getting into the trades or shaking things up a bit on life. Can you make a pitch for them how they should go about pursuing career opportunities through NMC? Absolutely. Now is the time. There are scholarships galore. Uh, you've probably heard of the Michigan Reconnect, the Frontliners. Those are scholarships that the state offers. And in fact, this spring, uh, the state just approved something called Achievement Scholarships, $1,750 uh, to go to a community college. Uh, and that's for three years students could earn that scholarship. But the best thing is our own foundation. Uh, nationwide, about 5% of students in community college receive institutional aid. At NMC, it's 30%. That's amazing. One in every three students receives aid from our foundation to the tune of $1.3 million this last year. That's great. And so you obviously have a great community of supporters oh, <laughs> helping with the foundation. We could not be more fortunate in this community. And as you know, we just finished a $40 million campaign in the middle of a pandemic. And our community stepped up just like they did in 1951 when the college was founded. And they made sure that the college has the resource it needs to serve our students. So what do you do? Like what it, physically or literally, what do you do to check these opportunities out? Yeah. You mean if you wanted to be a yeah, student coming exactly. to NMC? Uh, you can go to our website. You can come on campus. Whatever uh, Go to your office. Work, yeah. Come to my office. <laughs> yes. And I do have an open door policy. But yeah, you know, just reach out to NMC. And we've got success coaches. We've got enrollment advisors. So many people who can help you figure out what's the right program, what's the right schedule. We've got traditional classes. We've got online classes. We've got classes during the day, the night, the weekend. You could just come in the summer. Uh, whatever fits your schedule is really uh, what we do at NMC is try to make it best for you. Yeah, I fell in love with the community college when I started working with the Michigan Community College Association leading their leadership academy. I didn't realize how much I didn't know, but now having this resource in the back 
yard where I live, it's just amazing. And I think I've become one of the strongest, I'd like to think I'm the strongest advocate in the state. I know that's probably not true, but I feel, thank you. I feel the strength (laughs) there. So we're going to transition now to talk about my favorite five questions. And this is a chance for you to share your perspective, your wisdom, and just some resources to help our audience get more inspired in their lives. I'd love to hear from you if you've got a favorite book, maybe a go-to book, something that inspires you. Boy, you know, I just finished a book last night. I don't know that I'd say my favorite book, but boy, it is top of mind called Invisible Child. It's actually a story about a girl who went to Milton Hershey School, and it's written by a New York Times author, and it chronicles her experience growing up in New York City, homeless, to drug-addicted parents, to parents who were in and out of jail. Uh, And what I really appreciated about the story is it showed how that family worked hard, despite being homeless, despite the... Uh, addictions, despite the challenges of poverty, and how hard they work to keep things together for the family. So that's top of mind right now, Invisible Uh, Child. Invisible Child. Thank you for that. I love this because I get my own, you know, cue going (laughs) when I listen to people who come up here. Now, I'd love to hear from you a piece of feedback you received that was illuminating. It could be illuminating in a good way. It could be illuminating in a constructive way, but a piece of feedback that you received that really helped you. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, you'll laugh at this. The feedback came on the back of a restroom door. It was graffiti (laughs) that was scribbled there. And when I taught at Antioch College, I remember seeing this on the back of the restroom door and it was attributed to anonymous. Uh, But I thought it just sounds too good for anonymous. And maybe 10 years later with the advent of Google, I Googled and found out it's a quote from Eric Hoffer. And the advice or the quote from Eric Hoffer is, in times of change, the learners will inherit the earth while the learned will be beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. Oh, that and that notion is of being a learner versus learned, to me, learned people aren't curious. They're the ones who say, we've tried that, it won't mm-hmm. work. Whereas learners are always willing to say, I don't know, but let's figure it out. They're curious, they're willing to, to give it a try. And I think I've always thought of myself as a learner and not as a learned person. I think that's amazing Again, a surprising space for inspiration. And hopefully for those bathroom graffiti (laughs) artists, it can hopefully inspire you to up your game a little bit too. You never know who you're going to reach out to. Now, uh, this is because we live here in Northern Michigan. What's one of your favorite activities? Oh my gosh, anything outdoors. Every weekend we go out hiking, particularly over to Sleeping Bear, but just anywhere we can. So whether it's mountain biking, whether it's hiking, whether it's cross-country skiing, I'm just an outdoors guy. So as soon as I leave work, I'm usually uh, heading outside to do really? something. That's that's the way to do it up here. Absolutely. <laughs> so this is a tough one because I know many of your culinary school graduates populate our amazing restaurants in here in northern Michigan. But can you share a favorite place that you like to eat? Oh, my gosh. I might have to uh, narrow it down to three. You can do th- you can do three, but okay. I'm going to pick one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sugar to Salt is okay. an amazing NMC alum, Stephanie Watala. And if you haven't had breakfast there, it is my go-to place for breakfast. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, if I'm going for lunch, I'd love to go to Hoplot. I like the outdoor setting, the sit-by-the-fires yeah. and the igloos. Um, and I also like Natolo's up in Lake Leelanau for mm-hmm. pizza. So that's, I'll that's give you those great. three. I will give you just because they're different meals. That's the only reason. <laughs> I um, would love to hear a final question, something that you could pass on to our listeners, some wisdom you've picked up in life that you think is important to share. Boy, never underestimate the caring of the, the care 
that you can provide to another person simply by showing up and being there for them. And uh, I think I found that out when I was up at Norwich and uh, I was struggling academically. And someone from the Milton Hershey School, an administrator, reached out to me with a letter. And I remember getting that letter and it was a turning point for me. It sort of allowed me to refocus and say, I gotta double down here and get serious about things. So a reminder, as adults, uh, the impact we have on students is profound. Nothing to take for granted. Thank you so much, Nick, for being a guest here. And thank you, WTCM, for hosting this really special edition of Bet on You Radio.